Welcome to the Ferris Love Podcast, where we share spiritual and practical ideas for how to live family life with a beautiful, self-sacrificing love. Today, we wanted to share an episode from our other podcast, After Cana. If you aren't familiar with this one, After Cana is dedicated to those who have recently said I do. Twice a month, we interview couples who have been married for more than 25 years to get their words of wisdom. Listen to this episode and then go ahead and subscribe to our newest podcast, After Cana. You've been through pre-Cana. Maybe you've even said, I do. And now what? Welcome to After Cana, a podcast for young couples looking to make it until death do they part. In each episode, we'll share sage wisdom and practical advice from couples who've been married for 20 plus years. On today's episode, we have Matt and Mindy from Colorado. Hi, guys. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. We're so excited to have you, not only because you've been married for how many years now? 32. 32 years. Not only because you've been married for 32 years, but because also you you run a nonprofit that focuses specifically in marriage. So we're very excited to hear your story um, and every all the good that you do. But let's start with um, a little introduction of yourselves. All right. Well, Matt and Mindy, we've been married 32 years. We have seven children. Um, right now they range from 30 years old to 13, one left at home. We got persevere and raise our Levi, uh, number seven grandchilds on the way. And, uh, we've been in full-time marriage missionary work for the past 16 years. So half of our married life, 16 years, really, Mm -hmm. we've been in marriage missionary work. And just because we've been in missionary work doesn't mean we have marriage all figured out. We're a work in progress as well. For sure. Mindy, Mindy often kicks me under the table and says, practice what you preach, sir. <laughs> <laughs> That's comforting. So just, I mean, we have not a very uh, holy story of how we met, but we have kind of a fun story of how we met. We, Matt tried to meet me at a bar one night and when i say try he we kind of looked at each other from across the room but i had already danced with another person and he didn't want to be second line third line whatever well on my way out he grabbed the waitress and said hey can i get a napkin and a pen and he wrote down his name and number and i was so i was walking by he tried he says placing it in my hand and I say shoving it in my hand <laughs> but i did not take i did not take this napkin so a little rejection at the beginning, maybe, did yes. you feel? <laughs> but then it was... And I, I, kept, I, I, This is hard to say, but humble. I kept going back to that bar in hopes to seeing her again, and I never did. <laughs> and then I was at another place eight months later with my best friend, and it was a what they called uh, Friday Afternoon Club, FAC. And it was a bar, and they did hors d'oeuvres and, and appetizers. And I walk around a corner and this beautiful tall woman jumps out and says, I know who you are. You tried to give me your phone number. That was eight months later. And he tells his friend he's with, keep walking, just keep walking. <laughs> and, his, and, and his friends go, who is that? Who is that? So that's how we originally met. And we lived, I think at the time in Colorado, we lived about an hour apart from each other. So we did a lot of talking on the phone at first and then uh, met one night for our first date uh, because I was working as a court reporter at the time. And I 
you were working in property management. So anyways, we met and had our first date. And so we dated about two years, a little over two years and got engaged. And then we're married a year later. Uh, both of us raised cradle Catholic. Matt's family, way more devout Catholic than the family I grew up in. <laughs> um, but we did get married in the church. Yeah, that's kind of the beginning part of the story. And as we entered into um, our marriage, we were kind of in the ways of the secular world. Mindy had a really good job. I had a decent job, dual income. We thought, gosh, if we buy this house that needs reconstruction, if, and if only we could have granite countertops, boy, we'll, we'll just be happy. We'll be so happy with those countertops. We, we accomplished some of those things. But I, one of the things, and it's maybe a little uh, humorous, but it's true, painfully true, so it's a both and, um, we kind of entered our marriage singing Frank Sinatra, I Did It My Way. Mm. And then probably five years in, we looked at each other and said, oh, we're singing I Did It My Way. How's that treating us so far? Mm -hmm. We knew what marriage was in sickness and in health, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor. But why? Why does the church teach what she teaches? And only did we discover later that our marriages are an icon, a sign of Christ's love for his bride, the church. And that began our new journey towards maybe instead of I did it my way, how about let's try it God's way? And it was really Pope John Paul II and his love and responsibility and theology of the body that helped us to understand the whys for what the church has eternally professed, proclaimed. And once we bought in and... Well, I wouldn't even say like bought in. I would say it just echoed in. Illuminated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like That's the scales point. fell off like, oh, that's why the church teaches this yeah. and that. And why we should be open to life. And, you know, um, truly God's grace has been amazing because um, when Matt and I first met, I was the youngest of eight kids. I am the youngest of eight children. And then my mom babysat like 10 other kids when I was little growing up. So I didn't like little kids, didn't like them. And like when we were first dating, getting more serious, I'm like, I don't know if I want kids. I don't really even like kids. And so God in his infinite wisdom and grace, right? Now we have seven. So and <laughs> thank Mindy, goodness. And Mindy is a wonderful wife, yes, but a, even a better mother. And sometimes I fall into that category of being Mindy's eldest child. So she keeps us all going in the right direction. <laughs> that's that's beautiful. That's beautiful the way you were describing it. Cause I, I do feel um, in terms of like, you know, the scales fall from your eyes. I, I feel for a lot of people who either go into marriage or who are, you know, pursuing marriage or engaged uh, or dating, um, we know there are certain things that the Catholic church asks us to uphold. We know that like, you know, this is the way that the church says it's supposed to happen. Um, and it was funny. I was talking to a girlfriend of mine who um, she's now engaged, but when she first started dating the guy, she was like, I know like I'm not supposed to sleep with him. And I know that like, that's off the table. She's like, and I know I'm not going to do it. She's like, but it's so hard 
when you have the person that you love in front of you and you're like, wait, why, why, why no? Like, why not? Why, why not? And even my husband, my now husband and I, um, it was funny when we were the biggest shock to people when we were engaged was you're not living together. And they were like, how could you, like, how could you be engaged and not live together? But it's funny what we said and reflecting once we, once we are on now that we're on the other side of marriage, we were like, we, it, some things didn't really make sense, but everything that the church teaches, we're so glad we followed it. We are so glad that, you know, we, we stuck with it. And that's beautiful. Yeah. That you described it of like, you know, the scales falling from your eyes and I, I, it's your story. Is yeah. I love it. When we, so when we were first married, I would say, yes, we practiced the faith. We went to church, but we bought the house across the street from his parents. So we knew they were going to see, oh, right. are they going to mass or when are you going to mass? So we weren't really, you know, a little bit going through the motions and a little bit like, well, why, you know, this church, this church we've grown up with just has all these rules, a long list of like oppressive rules, right? And kind of going to that sexuality piece. And, and what we discovered when we opened our hearts and opened our union to say, oh, maybe we should read about what God really planned and intended for our marriage. It was as though living his plan is freedom. Mm. Where, you know, it's freeing. And it liberated us yes. to freely express intimacy. With our hearts and physically, right? Physically, with yeah. our hearts, with our communication, it, it it at least gave us that advantage or that uh, springboard to incorporate those graces into our marriage, which is at the heart of keeping it alive and thriving for thirty two years. It, it, and and it was really inviting God not from a legality standpoint, but from an open, we want you to be a part of our lives. Right. We, we we kind of cut him off. We said, or it was, it, maybe it wasn't that stark. It was like, okay, we'll, we'll let you know when we need you, God. Right. Type, type thing. Yeah, he's like regulated to the sidelines. Yeah, yeah. almost like, in, like indifference to God in some ways, mm. rather than truly opening our union and saying, okay, God, every single aspect of our lives, we invite you to that because your, your love and mercy, even in our broken ways, when we first started out, spilled into the fruit of love and mercy that we gave to each other. Mm. When we opened our hearts fully to him Mm -hmm. and we realized his grace and his mercy began to fill our union kind of like at the wedding feast of Cana. And just like the, you know, people, I think a lot of people in marriage in general, whatever stage you're in, they're like, well, you need to change or one of you needs to change. And that can always take on kind of a negative. That might be the case, but I like to think of it as growing. And can we grow into better people? Can we do a better job loving? We met at a bar at a dance place. It takes two to tango. <laughs> but it, it it wasn't until we put that third God into the center of our lives that we really began to sing and dance. Mm. 
That's beautiful. So how did you go from like, how did you make that leap then from just like kind of regulating, you know, God being like, well, we'll call you when you need you to like, is that when you really started to think about becoming marriage missionaries or was that something that kind of. That, that came a little later. I think maybe the initial piece two two things that were very prominent. It wasn't until sub mission, sub missio, mm. sub under mission. I had a mission of me, myself, and I. Right. My buddies would call for a golf outing, and I would drop everything and go to the golf outing, even including Mindy. I was willing to have fun at the expense of our joy. It wasn't until I really, truly had a mission of being a man after God's own heart. And the only way that happened is when I returned to the sacrament of reconciliation, and then I committed myself to, and this was random because they had just, this was 30 some years ago, um, perpetual adoration, 24-7, we have a big parish and we're going to 24-7 around the clock, we're going to offer perpetual adoration. But if you, if you decide to sign up, sign up for a sacrificial time. When he said that, that blazed me right between the eyes. And my sacrificial time was two o'clock on Sunday afternoon because that was the start of NFL football. And while that may sound a little funny, that was my false God. Wow. And, and so it wasn't, so the sacrament of reconciliation and a prayer life is what helped Mindy to come under that mission. The mm -hmm. other selfish mission, it, it was. And then I would say difficult. I would say we heard, we heard Christopher West speak on the theology of the body. Oh, yeah. Soon after that kind yes. of reversion. And that's truly where it was like, oh, that's God's plan for life and love and chastity and responsible parenthood and all that comes along with that. Wow. And and what was beautiful for us, because I know doing what we do, it doesn't happen this way all the time, is that Matt would read something and then he'd share it with me and then I'd read it or we we worked separately then and we'd listen to different things and then we'd talk about it. So it was very um, special for us that we journeyed together and it just became a, a desire to, to dive deeper and to learn more. And, and I think that was the real grace is that together we had a hunger and a thirst for God's plan and implementing it. And I know that's, I just want to touch on this just because of what we do in our marriage coaching. I know that's not always the case. Yeah. And so maybe it's the woman who just longs for her husband to, you know, be the lead or to, to be more faithful or whatever it might be. And just praying, just pray for your spouse because setting the book or the article on his chair all the time or to, you know, that's right. going to sometimes make them run the other way. And it's manipulative like, in some ways. Okay. And yeah. so the, the power of a praying spouse, there's a lot of power in praying for your spouse and, and not like, dear God, change my spouse. You know, <laughs> not that type of prayer. Right. You know, open, right. No, give me the strength and the grace so that we can continue to grow as a couple, mm -hmm. no matter where we find ourselves.
And this is too vulnerable for the podcast, but that is something I've noticed that's so easy to see a pet peeve and be like, oh, they're the worst. They always do that. Or, it, or even from a spiritual realm, we can see other couples, maybe Catholic couples, and be spiritually envious of them. 100%. You know, it, Think that they're so holy and they have it all figured out. What's right? with us? <laughs> yeah, what's the saying? That you yeah. have. Oh, if if we feel uh let me see, if they if we feel a family that like if we look out and we say, Oh gosh, they just have it all figured out. If we feel they don't have any troubles, that's a family we don't know very well. Ooh. Yeah. We're, we're all in the same boat. We all have different issues, but we all have issues, maybe to varying degrees, that and if you cut to the chase, it's kind of selfishness versus selflessness. Right. Um, yeah. And and marriage is about gift of self. How can I make a gift of myself? Mm-hmm. Or is it all about me and what I get and my pleasure and my my way? And, and that, then it becomes really. And I, I think that's the beauty of marriage, that God allows these opportunities yeah. to say, oh, okay. Well, here's your third child in three years. How are you going to handle this one? How are you going <laughs> to deal with discipline? You know, and how how are you going to love? How, do and it, and it's a decision of the will. Will I love today? And am I going to be a decision of the will? Himself? And so help me, God. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. We need your grace. So true. Hey, that's one of the things. The main things is tapping into the grace. Marriage is one of the seven sacraments. Mm. We heard this from Father John Ricardo in one of his talks on marriage, and he was kind of grappling himself with grace. You know, we throw these words around. Yeah, as Christians, and all of a sudden it came to him, and this really resonated with us because with our seven children, we said, hey guys, you're either going to have to work or maybe play a game and get good enough to have scholarships for college. Well, God is gifted us with some of that. So, um, but he, he, it, defining grace, he said, he asked the question. And so I'll ask it to you. Why are steroids illegal for athletes? That may sound weird. But why are steroids illegal for athletes? I, I would think it's because it gives them an unfair advantage. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, Okay, what does that have to do with grace? Well, I think it's 1 Peter 5, 8. There's an enemy prowling around like a roaring lion looking to devour. And I think marriage is right at the pinnacle of that because it's a sign of Christ's love for his church. And so God wants to pour out his grace, his steroids, so that we have an unfair advantage against our concupiscence, our own fallenness, the world and what it, you know, all the shiny things that the world presents, and then our own sinful behavior, right? Or, or the enemy wanting to divide and right. separate and harden our right. hearts. And so in marriage, when we invite the King of King and the Lord of Lord, who longs to be a part of our marriage, but he, he's the perfect gentleman. He won't intrude. We, if we invite him in and we embrace God's way, we begin to drink from this new grace that that 
illuminates the intellect and, and, and makes tensile strength out of our will. And that brings me back to Mindy say, it's a decision of the will. And this is why we need the sacramental life as, long, as well as a, an individual prayer life. Right. Because if we don't have an individual prayer life and know how much God loves us individually, we cannot give what we do not have. So. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. That's something I was thinking about just is how often I try to do something myself. I think it's a constant learning process. I don't have it all figured out. I've been married for three months and I want to be done, but it's it's a learning thing. And so I think, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's learning to rely on others and being open being open to letting God in your marriage, it, he has to be invited every day. Like that is something that you have yeah. to consciously make an effort to do every day. And I would add on to that, just the receptivity, receptivity of receiving the love from your spouse, but then also, and or even help or, you know, be, right. being receptive to help. Oh no, I can do it all by myself. I've got it. I'm more efficient at it, blah, blah, blah. No, just humble yourself and say, you know, I could really use some help with reading to Joseph this afternoon or whatever the whatever the scenario might hey, be. And sometimes because women are such good multitaskers, you gotta tell us husbands what the need of your heart is because we're not mind readers. So oh. it's good to communicate. What are you really thinking, right? Yeah, I think that's definitely something I learned with my husband. Or I was like, can't he just see? Doesn't he get it? Doesn't he understand? <laughs> that's our, that's our like, fault as women. That is something. I remember like reading that before marriage and being like, oh, well, of course they're not mind readers. Like, duh, I'm so good at voicing my needs. And now I'm like, oh. <laughs> okay, the best marriage advice we ever heard. But what you just said kind of reminded me of that. But uh, a, fr a dear friend of ours, father-in-law, at his own wedding, so his bride's father says, well, I want you to treat my daughter, now your wife, who I just gave to you, treat her as though she's a guest in your home each and every day. Ooh. Wow. And that is not human and natural. No, it's not. The only <laughs> way we can do it is with God's help. And um, and then imagine um, if we had the ultimate guest in our home, mm. like Mary and Martha. Martha. How would we treat him? How would we treat Jesus if he was the guest in our home? How would we treat the Blessed Virgin if she were to be a guest in our home? And it, it, it but those are kind of things that we we could white knuckle it and. You know, I'm going to work harder, but if we have conversation of the needs of our hearts and what do you need from me, honey? And oh, oh, you need affirmation. Well, everybody gives you affirmation because you look so good everywhere else. She needs <laughs> affirmation from me. Well, Nikki, or like keeping track can be a really bad, you know, where we get into that. Well, he didn't help me with the dishes. They were sitting there. You think he should have known. And then I start building resentment and I keep track. Okay. Of all the things he didn't do that I think he should do. And then that's when the hardness of heart enters in. And 
And then the omission, I didn't communicate that to him and I just let it fester. So that's as bad as not helping. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, the Pharisees tried to trip up Jesus and say, hey, what do you say about divorce, Jesus? Moses says it's okay. And then Jesus said, well, Moses said it was okay because of the hardening of their hearts. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, it was not so. They were naked and felt no shame. So that's what happens in marriage. We don't just wake up one day, 20 years in and say, you know what? I want out of this thing. Right. No, little by little, little by little, our hearts become hardened for things we did or failed to do, whether it's big arguments or little things that we don't address. Yeah. Love is a verb. Do we actively look to serve one another, make a gift of ourselves? Right. And when we do, we're imitating the ultimate bridegroom for his bride, the church. And again, marriage is the icon, is the sign both of Christ and the church and then our destiny, the -hmm. communion of saints, where we're all at the wedding feast of the Lamb. So true. So true. That's beautiful. Um, I was wondering also if you guys could talk about kind of the work that you do as marriage counselors um, and like what that looks like. Yeah, so what we're actually coaches, we're not counselors. Sorry, don't have psychology or psychiatry degrees. That's okay. But it's uh, what is God's plan for marriage? Reminding them what they said I do too. And then how do we tap into the grace available through the sacrament of marriage? So we take them through different sessions, different topics. Uh, The foundational piece is forgiveness. What does that look like in marriage? How do we practice forgiveness? Uh, Communication. Uh, We talk about spirituality in marriage, praying together. We talk about uh, spiritual intimacy, physical intimacy. Uh, We also are a part of the diaconate formation program at the Archdiocese of Denver. For nine years, we've been on the formation team. When the husbands are, the men are studying to be deacons and their wives come, we'll present uh, eight different classes to them as well. So that's been something we've done for like nine years. But it's really having them, you know, couples, if they come in open Mm. and like open to, and I think that's our pride that we look out and we compare and we think, look at the Smiths and look at the Joneses. What's wrong with us when in reality we talk to them? And so our pride stops us from going and seeking any type of a help. And so for any young couples listening, it doesn't have to be a huge, big, you know, explosion that happened in your marriage. Maybe it's just one topic. Maybe you're struggling with in-laws. Maybe you're struggling with you know, natural family planning and responsible parenthood or. Or maybe you're struggling with being exactly transparent. You both know of your weaknesses, but you're unable to tap into it because maybe we're still wearing our fig leaves, so to speak, out of fear. You know, uh, 1 John 4, 8, I think perfect love casts out all fear. Mm-hmm. When we can come to each other and be freely, free with our hearts, expressing our hearts freely, totally, and faithfully to each other, it will bear fruit. Mm-hmm. 
And that's actually that free, total, faithful, fruitful love is what we committed to in the words that we shared on the altar in our wedding vows. And then those wedding vows are renewed in the one flesh union. Every time we come together in the marital embrace, have we come here freely, totally, to give ourselves away completely? Will we remain faithful all the days of our lives? If we say yes, yes, and yes, when will you be open to life? It will bear fruit. And I think those are the, the that's the lens that we've learned to not only put on, but to act through that lens of the I do's that we, that we take so seriously. We recently had a couple that we, we were ask, asking them the effectiveness and unbeknownst to their community, their Catholic parish, um, to their friends and family, they were on the brink of divorce mm-hmm. and they had just had it with each other. And I actually sit with the gentleman at a men's group every Friday that we do at our parish. And he kind of sheepishly said, Hey, my wife and I are in deep trouble. Do you think you guys could coach us? And well, she may be adverse to coming because I sit at your table. I said, well, don't impose it. Don't give her the ultimatum, but propose to her what we do. So we, we've worked for them. I don't know, two years at least. Um, and become friends with them. We worked with them initially and they rebounded. And But this is what they recently said. If, if we believe God had a hand in joining us together, it's impossible for marriage not to work. Mm. If, we go, if we go through the sessions with an honest intent an open heart that God and his grace can fix our marriage, it will work. And so that's what we try to just help people open their hearts so that we can become a new creation. That's what the sacramental life, that's why Jesus came is so that we could become anew. And because we do see, unfortunately, a lot of troubled couples, a lot of struggling severely struggling couples because they have waited too long they don't that's why i think for young couples any age couple but starting new it's so important i feel you feel probably to to find some other like-minded couples even if it's only two other couples that you can get together with once a month and you're just sharing your lives and good conversation a meal and maybe you pray a rosary or something yes. Keep it simple but just sharing like oh i'm struggling with this one-year-old i mean or the t- temper tantrums of the three oh my gosh us too or my in-laws are driving me crazy but you just have this small group community relationship so that you you're not alone and so many couples feel alone and isolated because their hearts have become so hardened that they think the only option is divorce yeah. And or yeah. or the world has appealed to us so much. We're so busy that we fall out of the intention of keeping our marriage at the forefront of our actions and our love. Mm-hmm. And we fall into the the trap as a married couple thinking, well, if we have a good marriage, we don't really have to work at it. Right. That is a lie from the depths right. of you know where. Because life will take us away. 
And all of a sudden, you know, with raising kids and being too busy and all this stuff, the kids move out of the house and we go, who are you? Right. So being intentional with our time, being intentional with our love, being intentional, even no matter how many children you have. And and everything that Mindy just said, being intentional with our love, love, I would say be generous with our love. Mm -hmm. What was the second thing you said? Yeah, and generous with our time. Be intentional with our time, being generous with our time. Because God, the Holy Trinity, is an eternal exchange of life and love, of generating and generosity. And God is never outdone in generosity. And when we as couples are intentional about being generous to our married love, God will not be outdone in his generosity. So true. I think I think that is something that's so easy to forget. I think there's almost, and this isn't entirely true, and I wish I had better words to put it into, but there's almost something anticlimactic about the days after the honeymoon where you are home and all the boxes are unpacked and you've settled and it's so ordinary, but not, I don't know if I'm making sense, but it's so easy to kind of fall into the, it's kind of easy to fall into the routine, right? And you become roommates as opposed to spouses and you are like, well, I'm just going to see you at the end of the day. So what's the point of like texting you, you know, like during lunchtime or I'm, you know, well, we can just sit on the couch and watch something. Like, why would we need to go out and like have a date night? You know, it, it's so yeah. easy to like feel like it's it's like, well, we spend all our time together, air quotes, because you can't see that on the podcast, but you know, in air quotes. Yes. And it's it's something I think that's been the struggle, not struggle. I don't want to use the word struggle, but it's been the um, thing that I've become aware of in my marriage is that it's so easy to kind of become complacent and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you do dishes, you are, yeah. you figure out who's doing laundry, you know, you're falling into all, you take care of all the like ordinary things that I can, I can see why some couples fall into the disrepair of like well we're together like what are you talking about like we sleep in the same bed you know like of course but then like you were saying Mm -hmm. and then the kids come and you focus on the kids and then the kids all leave and you don't know the person you're with and so I think you haven't nurtured that right and I I yeah what 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 comes to mind after what you just said because you use the word ordinary and that's really kind of our tagline our mission our making our ordinary marriages extraordinary with the companionship of Jesus right? and inviting other couples to do the same. So there is the the ordinary of life, but we can make it extraordinary when we ask God to be a part of it, whether even the hurt and the pain and the hard discipline things or the fights or the yeah, because we're all going to have that. That's one thing I think younger married couples now struggle with the thought of struggling. Yes. <laughs> well, we did it all right. 
we we didn't we didn't live together. We didn't have sex before we were married. And now uh, maybe Susie is dyslexic or yeah. nothing huge, but couples are having a difficult time dealing with struggle, suffering. Yeah. You know, yeah. because they're gonna come. Yeah, that's so true. And I but being content. I was going to say being content in where we are in the stage of marriage. I think we can tend to, that can be that comparison thing. We can tend to say, oh gosh, well, if only, I just can't wait for my little one to be three years old, or I can't wait till we get a new house or being content in the stage of your life in, is, is a difficult thing in our, in our world now, because we want, we want, and I can ask Siri for everything. I can get it delivered tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to show up tomorrow. You know, so no, it's so true. And I think, I think in the newlywed phase, being content with the fact that you're learning, being content with the fact we were at mass on Sunday and the priest said, um, he was beautiful homily about, you know, a man, his wife had Alzheimer's and at 92, he was taking care of her. And we were like, oh, that's so beautiful. And the priest said, but, you know, if you just got married, like, you're not there yet. You're not there yet. And my husband on the way home commented, he was like, oh, I felt that right between the eyes. He's like, I felt that because, you know, you hear that and you want to be like, yeah, that's us. But that's not us. <laughs> that's their not their life began. Yeah. And until it, it, until it is there before you, you don't know how you're going to love through that or very well. Whether right. it's an injury or a child or a tragedy, I mean, yeah. Okay, so what is a practical thing that we could do in the midst of like early marriage and honeymoon and ordinary? If we set aside time every day to be in the know of each other's hearts, we're deliberately and intentionally sharing our lives because let's just say there's a death of a loved one. There's a project at work that has a deadline and one of the spouses, one of you have to be out of town mm. and it's sheer chaos, just keeping it all together. And all of a sudden, and then, Oh, our first baby was born. Oh boy. <laughs> so all, if we just gloss over and we stay busy, we fall out of the intimacy of knowing each other's hearts. Conversely, if we make it a priority and we're intentional about keeping in the know, to know, in, in biblical terms, to know is that intimacy. God knows our hearts. As Male and female, as husband and wife, we should yearn to know each other's hearts. And we set time aside, turn off the TV, turn off our phones, put our phones away, and enter into each other's world so that we're in the know, freely, totally, and faithfully sharing our hearts. Then we stay in the know, even if we have all that chaos going and we set aside and we get back on the track in the then we can practice them. We can work on helping each other through the chaos 
Yeah. If we know where the other one is coming. I mean, that's how we all got to know each other and decided, right. yes, I'll marry you. Or will you marry me from the man is communicating and sharing our lives and our hearts and getting to know each other. But quickly in marriage, we can, Oh, well, I don't want to share that because that did that topic didn't go over too well last time. Or right. It's, it's being consistent and, Intentional. Intentional and generous with our time and our heart and our, yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things, one of the things in love and responsibility, which was John Paul's philosophical work that he did, uh, he would go camping and canoeing and all kinds of things with young people. And he, he asked questions and he took questions in from these young people. And of all the couples, he 60 or 70 couples that he worked with, or 60 or 70 young people that he worked with, none of them ever experienced a divorce in their lives. Mm. That was his love and responsibility. That's how he developed it as a young priest. But one of the things he said, and I think it holds true in our um, technological world, is that marriages lack tenderness. Ooh. And that ability to not only hear where we're hurting or where we're weak or or even our victories and our celebratory things, sharing those things, but really walking with that person and keeping those intentions such that we can have a tender enough heart because we know that the human heart is very, very tender. And if we don't nurture that, and we neglect it, it can be closed off to one another. But if we truly enter in and really hunt for the, to, to know the other person's heart and to let the other person, you know, receive that love and that mercy and that grace and that affirmation from the other, then no matter what comes, no matter how hard, no matter how difficult, marriage is worth it yeah i have said it more beautifully (laughs) that is fantastic you kind of touched on it before but i was going to ask you guys if you had any advice for engaged and married couples um kind of your parting words on our podcast um if you had to sum it all up what would you give as a piece of advice to engaged and married or newlywed couples. Well, well, what pops into my mind for engaged couples is that if if a red flag comes up during your prep, really, really take that moment, and especially if it comes from the mentor couple or the priest and saying, I'm concerned in this area. Don't just brush it off and say, oh, it'll be fine. Once we're married, it, it won't be a, I, I, you know, because we have seen, unfortunately, where they, they don't address those red flags and the red flag comes up and, yeah, and, it, it, and it can be later. a very painful experience, but, and communicating about those things. But I think the importance of forgiveness, the importance of owning our own when, when I failed or uh, what I've done, what I failed to do, instead of pointing the finger, going to Matt and asking, Hey, not just, Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, we have this huge blow up, but what am I sorry for? Mm. So stating, you know, will you forgive me 
for the words I said, the hurtful words or the tone of voice or the rolling of the eyes, whatever it might be, trying to make that a way of our a way of life in, in our marriage, I think has been key for us. We wouldn't do what we do if, if we didn't practice forgiveness. Sometimes uh, not practicing forgiveness can ruin an entire weekend away if you don't practice or, I mean, that would be my thing. And there, there's a way to do that, but I think the first step is instead of instantly thinking, what did he do wrong? How he hurt me is examine my conscience and say, hmm, what did you bring to the party, Mindy? Oh, yeah. You could have said it in a different way. Your tone of voice was the, your body language. So that would be mine. Um, advice for young couples or engaged couples. I, I, the, the first thing that popped into my mind. And I, it's just a clarification that I think the word love, you know, we say, I love pizza. I love my car. I love my new house. I love my decor. But John Paul II, again, Pope now St. John Paul II, in his love and responsibility talks about the opposite of love is to use. I love pizza. I love my car. I love my job. I love my neighborhood. I love well, you can't love those things because they're objects. They don't love you back. But the opposite of love is to use. We're supposed to use things and love people. In our culture, we love our things, and it seems like we use people to get them. Mm. And so I think it's a really good distinction for engaged and married couples to really enter into, am I doing this for my gain and for my pleasure and for my, yes, marriage, if we're doing it God's way, we'll both experience blessing and joy. When, when I was early in our marriage and it was me, myself and I, and I couldn't say no to my buddies. Oh, I was willing to have fun at the expense of mine and Mindy's joy. I couldn't say no to my friends. I couldn't say no to these other things. Was I, was I really loving Mindy or was I using her? And I had to admit humbly and sadly, and even 32 years later, it's hard to say, but was I loving her? Or she looked good. She had a good job. She drove a nice car. She, you know, it was more utilitarian than it was love. And if we objectify the other person in our using of them, little by little, we're going to find ourselves in a place that is not very good. And our wine, our love, our mercy, our grace, the wedding feast of Canaan, our wine is going to run dry. Conversely, if we look to give ourselves away as gift, and make a supreme gift of ourselves and be of service to our spouse, and we begin to both drink in that grace, that mercy, that love, that so help me God mentality, help me be a, a gift of self. Now, now we have something. And I think in a world that is a throwaway world and immediate gratification and uh, I want it now. So in today's culture, we love our technology and we use people. Even if we're showing our best on Instagram and all of these 
our vacations and this meal we're eating out. It's only showing people and it kind of we become we become covenant covenant of uh, covetousness to our other human beings and we grasp at their life when it's not a perfect life they're just we're just showing our perfect experiences and that's really a false life we 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 love our things and we use people no we're supposed to use our things and there's a proper use of technology and the real the real thing is can we say no to our technology over talking to our spouse mm-hmm. now we're loving thank you guys this has been such an awesome conversation i'm so grateful that the first of these podcast episodes that i've done as a married woman has been with you guys it's <laughs> fantastic i can't thank you guys enough um to wrap things Welcome. up. Thank you for having us. Yeah. To wrap things up, I was hoping you could lead us in the prayer to Mary Mother of Fairest Love. Okay. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Mary, Mother of Fairest Love, you are the mother of Jesus and our mother. Intercede for us with your son, as you did at the wedding at Canaan. Pray for us, fairest mother, to strengthen and bless our families. Help those called to marriage to find their spouses and teach them to love with a pure and selfless love. Accompany parents in the upbringing and education of their children with unconditional love. Help those who have answered the Father's call to become to the consecrated life or to apostolic celibacy to be generous and faithful to their vocations. Bring peace, unity, and joy to the homes of families that are broken and burdened. Accompany with the warmth of your presence those who are alone. You are the, can you say the Latin there, please? Mater pulcre delecciones. The mother of beautiful love, help us to love as Jesus loves, as we may show each other love full of mercy and forgiveness. May all our love and affections be always fruitful, pure, and chaste. Dear mother, be our refuge in our material and spiritual needs and intercede especially for the sacrament of marriage, whether it's being discerned in engagement and dating, or it's being lived in the domestic church, in the homes of the married and families around the world, may your mantle of protection, Mary, be wrapped around so that the light of Christ may shine in these marriages. May we grow in the love and come to know true peace and joy now in the life to come in heaven. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. In the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. Thanks for joining us for this episode of After Cana. If you enjoyed listening, share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review or visit us at ferrisloveshrine.org.